Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us again today. I want to encourage your hearts today concerning the love of God. You know, the love of God is something that when you understand it, really is life-changing and life-shaping. But also, it's something that brings a fresh revival to our lives any time we take time to meditate upon it. If you've got your Bibles, just turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. I'm going to read some very simple verses concerning the love of God. It says in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 4, And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love that he has for us. Then it makes this statement, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Aren't they wonderful verses? They introduce us to something very profound. And that is simply that God is love. Now we need to understand that this simple rediscovery can reshape us into the shape we're meant to be. Also, it can take the clutter out of our Christianity. Sometimes when you've been walking with the Lord a number of years, you can bring things into your Christianity that keep you busy, but don't matter, that keep you distracted from something that you should never be distracted from. What is that? The understanding that God is love. Now, when we say God is love, what we're not saying is God loves or God is loving, though he does love and he is loving. We need to understand that it's more than that when it comes to God. Love isn't something that he does. It's actually the essential nature of who he is. God is love. Now, often we are loving and we love, but when we consider God, we need to understand again and again and again, love isn't something he merely does. It's who he actually is. Now, when we get a grip of this, we begin to see him in a true light. Sometimes religion can shape God to be what he really isn't. Sometimes our low self-esteem or things we've experienced from the love of others or the lack of love from others can shape our view of who God is and give us a wrong view concerning the person and the character of God. What do we do in those times? We must always bring it back to this one statement to cause just a decluttering in our Christianity, in our heart concerning the Father. Isn't that just a beautiful statement? God is love. God is love. Somebody needs to hear this today. Sitting there watching this, maybe you've lost this viewpoint of God. Maybe God has become a slave master in your understanding when he's really not. Maybe God is cruel because the love you experienced from people in this world was cruel. God wants to reshape your view of him today and bring you back to this simple statement that God is love. There's two statements that are very profound and very short. The first one we find in Genesis 1 verse 1 where it says, in the beginning God. The second statement 
like we've read is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. God is love. Within these two statements, we actually see the origin and the origins and the nature of a creator God and indeed his creation. But let's lose some of the clutter today. Let's lose some of the boltons and add-ons that we've added to this relationship we have with a creator God. Let's come back. Let's have a revival in our hearts today as we return to the simplicity of these statements. Where did everything come from? Where do we find our origins? In the beginning, God. Who is God? God is love. You see, another way that God spells his name is love. So often, God can be a strange title, can't it? Oh, I believe in God and I believe. You know, so often it's easy to replace that and make that more relational by saying he's a heavenly father. Yes, he is. Sometimes the word God, if you say it enough times, can become very unpersonal in your world. But suddenly when we stop and we make this statement, who is God? God is love. It reminds us of who he really is. You know, it's another way for God spelling his name. G-O-D, L-O-V-E, same person. It's not what he does, rather it's who he is. We see an image of his love in how he teaches us to love. Because sometimes when we use that word love, God is love, we could be left with the question, but what is love? In a world that is filled with lust, in a world that uses love to get what it wants, sometimes our confusion when we've come into the kingdom of God can remain confused. And that's where we need to come back to the word of God to discover what love is. Let me read you some well-known verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it speaks specifically about love and introduces love to us. What is love? Well, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. This is verse 4 that I'm reading from. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Let me just keep saying those words. Love is patient. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Then it continues on. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Love never fails. Like I said, another way of knowing God is to take the name God and replace it with love. So if you want to understand the love of God, you just need to read through those verses again and replace the word love with God. God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious. He doesn't boast. He's not proud. He's, he's not self-seeking. God doesn't delight in evil, rejoices in truth. God always protects always trusts, he always hopes, always perseveres. Isn't that interesting that when we study love, we actually find ourselves at the same moment studying God. When we study God, at the same moment, 
we find ourselves studying love. So when we understand that God is love, we also need to understand that we're not to make God like us, but rather we're to see our lives become like him. So often when people meet God, instead of laying themselves on the altar of the Lord and saying, God, let me know you for who you are. So, so often, sadly, what people can do instead is try and bring God down to be like them. So they, they interpret the love of God according to what they've experienced love to be. Instead of transcending their understanding of an earthly love that really often isn't that loving to be how he loves too. You know, we were made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. And through the fall of mankind, we retained the image, but in many ways we lost the likeness. So our walk with the Lord isn't to bring him down and make him like us. Rather, we should be constantly being transformed by the Spirit and by the Word to become more like him. To be Christ-like. The Bible says that when we see him, we will be like him. The call of our life in walking with Jesus is a call of Christ-likeness. Not that we're preaching in a way to make God love like we do, but we're ever learning to love like he loves. You know, it's important to understand the love of God because when you understand that God is love, Love isn't something that he does, it's who he is. Then you begin to understand correctly things like mercy and grace. Because it's from the love of who God is that he shows mercy to us. It's from the love of who he is that he gives grace to us in our daily lives. Mercy is what God shows us when we come to him. Grace is what he continually gives us after we've encountered him. But both mercy and grace, you see, don't come from obligation or demand. They come from the heart of someone who doesn't love alone, but is actually love himself. When we understand the love of God, we can begin to understand the mercy that flows from his heart towards us. Mercy is always found in love. The grace that he gives us constantly, remember grace is unearned, undeserved favour. This unearned, undeserved favour constantly flowing to us like a river, coming from the wellspring of who he is. Who is God? God is love. But also every good thing that we experience in life, when we turn around and we just see that God has blessed us again, where are these blessings coming from? They're coming from the well of who he is, from the love of who he is. Out of his love, he blesses us. Out of his love, he heals us. Out of his love, he restores us. Out of his love, he's constantly good towards us. I've got three what-ifs <clears throat> just to share with you today concerning the love of God. Here's number one. What if all God ever wanted from us was a loving relationship with us. 
What if we've made Christianity complicated? We've made it more difficult. We've made it religious. We've made it legalistic. We've made it based on our performance. When in the background of all of those things, in pure simplicity, is a creator God that just loves us, made us because he loves us, wants a love relationship with us that's not difficult, complicated, achieved, maintained. What if our calling as Christians is just simply this, to know the love of God and to let that love so impact our lives, we walk in a love relationship with him. My second what if is simply this. What if love was to be the thing that compels us and fuels us to be who we're meant to be and do the things that he's calling us to do? What if other incentives are just replacements for something so beautifully simple, which is the love of God towards us? But when we understand the love of God poured out on us in Christ, the grace and the mercy that come in abundance upon our lives, that actually God's love becomes what compels us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. The writer makes this statement, for the love of God compels us. Isn't that beautiful? What if the thing that fueled us, that caused us to do the things we want to do and the things we don't want to do, that causes us to serve when we don't want to serve, to keep away from sin, to run into the things of God. What if the thing that compelled us and fueled us was actually, again, the simplicity of something that's simply called the love of God, that we do because we love him, we don't do because we love him, that our love for him determines where we go and how we live, not rules and regulations. I can remember a story that I've shared before of a young girl who had lost her mum at an early age and been raised by her father and her father had only ever shown her love. One day the father puts her into a, an older school, like a senior school, and she begins to experience some of the influences of the world represented in that school. And she begins to make friends and one day a young lady comes to her and says, I want to invite you to a party. Would you come to a party with me tonight? There's going to be fellas, there's going to be guys, there's going to be drink, there's going to be drugs, it's going to be crazy. We're going to have an amazing time. And the young girl stops and responds this way. No, I can't come. And when she was questioned, why can't you come? She said, it's because of my father. And the, under, the ununderstanding person questioning her said, what are you scared he'll hurt you if he finds out? And the young lady responds, no, I'm afraid it will hurt him if he finds out. What if we've missed the understanding of this love thing? That the thing that compels us and causes us to do, and indeed not to do certain things, should spring from something that's as simple as love. But because of our misunderstanding of love, how we've confused love for lust so many times, that we've made love something that gives to us instead of something that gives to others, we don't understand how beautiful and how simple it is to be compelled, fueled, 
driven, restrained by this thing called love. Here's my third what if for you today. What if life was really as simple as love the Lord your God with everything you are and love others as you love yourself? Again, a misunderstanding of love would bring a confusion to this direction or commandment in our lives. But Jesus wasn't confused when he was answering the Pharisees. You can read about this in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, where they come to Jesus to try and trick him, to try and catch him out, try and give him a question that gets him into trouble. All right, teacher, what is the greatest thing? They were bringing a perspective of the law, where the law said, you do this, you do this, you do this, where people were compelled or constrained by the law rather than love. And they come to try and catch Jesus out, but Jesus just stops when he hears this question. What's the greatest thing? What's the greatest law? And he looks at them and he responds with this statement that was a statement that they all knew very well. A statement that revealed the heart of God from the very foundation of time when he first made humanity. What was that statement? This is all that God really requires. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your might, all your strength. And then you express God's love to your neighbor, this flowing from an understanding of a healthy love that you have for you because you know that you're loved by him. He brings you into this radical triangle of love that involves God, that involves you, that involves me. But Jesus actually said, that's the greatest thing. Love him with everything that you are and everything that you've got. Has God got a right to ask for such love? I believe so. Why? Because in what he did for us by Jesus going to the cross, he revealed that the love that he's asking of us towards him is the love that he's already expressed and shown that he has for us in what he was willing to do for us in the death, burial, and resurrection of his only beloved son. You see, <clears throat> when we look at Jesus, Jesus is heaven's love baby walking the earth. People didn't understand the love of God. They'd been brought into restriction, religion, legalism. So God sent himself love to walk on the earth. Love walking on the earth was Jesus. Jesus said, if you've sinned the Father, you've sinned me. So what was Jesus saying? If you've seen me, if you've encountered my love, you've encountered the love of the Father also. So Jesus was God's love made manifest or made displayed on the earth. When you read through the Gospels and you see the way that Jesus treated people in their pain, the way he treated people in their rejection, the way he treated people in their suffering, you see love displayed, not judgment, mercy not judgment. He's actually just living the life of his father, which was his life also on the earth for all to see. But then in the crucifixion, we see the fullness of the love of God expressed. Sometimes people would ask me as a pastor, I don't know how much God loves me. My response would simply be this much. That the fullness of the expression of God's love for God so loved the world, he gave his only beloved son, 
that whoever believed in him shouldn't perish in this life or the one to come, but could have everlasting life. Come on, that's one of those very well-known love verses, isn't it? But again, we need to approach that verse that God isn't just loving, but he's love himself. God fully expressed the depth of his love through allowing his son, his love child, the darling of heaven, as he's been called, to be so brutally crucified on a cross. Now that's dark, it's cruel, that moment on the cross. But also in that moment, we must see and comprehend the depth of the love that God has for you and me. So now we're called to live in this love by letting this love live in us. Let me return to our verse this morning that we read from 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. The second part says this, whoever lives in love lives in God. Remember, God is love. Love is God. When we choose to live in love and not lust, when we choose to live in love, in that same moment we're choosing to live in God. It opens up with that statement, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. When we choose to love God, it suddenly produces in us a love for our neighbour coming from a healthy love for ourselves. Because when we encounter God, we encounter love itself in its purest form, in the beauty of what it is in completeness. But when you encounter love, you can't walk away the same. You can encounter religion and leave no different. You can encounter legalism and leave no different. You can encounter condemnation and leave changed for a moment. But when you encounter love, everything changes. God is love. And when you encounter the incredible love of who he is, suddenly out of that, you begin to love yourself in a healthy way. I don't mean that you walk past every mirror in the corridor and kiss it because of a self-adoration of your life. But rather you can look yourself in the mirror knowing you're forgiven, you're loved, you're valued by your Father in heaven. But also what begins to happen is you begin to find your life loving others. Why? Because your life is now in Christ, your life is now in God. Another way of putting that, your life is now in love. And his life and his love is now in you. Where you once looked for opportunities to express hatred and bitterness, suddenly something different happens in you. And you walk around looking for opportunities to show love to others. To me, love in our life, demonstrated, expressed from our life, is one of the truest expressions of a spirit-filled life. Why? Because just as love came to earth in Jesus Christ, so love came to live in us when we received the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is love, God is love, God is love. 
But the Bible says that we have now had the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. So actually, whether a person is spirit-filled, is it really evidenced on whether they speak in other tongues? Or is it evidenced that their life now speaks the language of love towards those that don't deserve forgiveness, but have maybe hurt you? But once upon a time, you say you said you couldn't release. All of a sudden, you find within yourself the ability, the power to release and forgive when you didn't have that before. What is that? That's the love of God <clears throat> now in you, wanting to be expressed through you. These are simple words, but very profound. Our life is now to speak the language of love. Why? Because God is love. We are now in his love, and his love is now found in us. I hope that encourages your heart today. Very simple message, but I believe a very profound one. Let's not lose who God is in the busyness of modern Christianity. Stages, platforms, lights, muffins, hosting teams, life groups, on and on and on and on and on. At the centre of all that we are, may we know the centre of who he is. Who is he? That's simple. God is love. The Lord bless you. Have a great week.